It's good to be in the house of God tonight. Amen. Great to be with God's people. Best people I know on the face of the earth are here tonight. Amen. That, that ought to make you feel better. Some of you need to smile a while and give your face a rest. Praise God. Remember the weekend coming up, Brother Stevenson will be back. Uh, unless the Lord moves otherwise, this will be our last weekend with him. But it does not mean revival ends. It simply means that revival is going to move into another phase. And so we're going to just move right on. I believe God has orchestrated all of this. And I am grateful. I haven't preached in so long. I almost may have forgotten how. Maybe I'll learn real quick. You wouldn't think after 45 years of doing this I would forget. But it does seem strange tonight. Amen. Praise God. Remember the Wilpits, they were going to be in charge of our kids' church tonight. They're at the hospital, so our kids are going to stay in. Everybody's going to stay here tonight because what I have to say is going to affect the whole church. Everybody said amen. Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. Verse 17, I'll begin reading. Paul is on his way to Jerusalem, that culminating time in his life and ministry when his work on earth would be done. And on his way, he stops by a place called Ephesus. Ephesus had been the epicenter of a great revival that had come through Asia Minor. You can go back to chapter 19 and you can read a little bit there and in previous uh, chapters of the great revival that God poured out in Ephesus. If I remember correctly, Ephesus was a place where probably more than any other, Paul stayed there longer. They were in revival for a year and a half. Now, you think eight weeks is a long time. They were in revival for a year and a half, perhaps even longer than that. A great church had been established there. The book of Ephesus, or the book of Ephesians, is written to the church at Ephesus. They were very powerful and influential group of people in the kingdom of God. And so Paul, let's begin reading with verse number 17 of chapter 20. And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, You know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations or trials or troubles, which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews and how I kept back nothing like that. 
and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Gentiles, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he goes on to explain what he is heading into. He goes bound into Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will befall him. There was great weeping when Paul left because he had made such a tremendous impact upon them. But verse 20 is where I want to focus your attention tonight. And he said this, and I'll read it again, and how I kept nothing. I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you. He showed them, he taught them, publicly and house to house. Amen. I want to talk to you for a little while about being a church with 2020 vision. How about that? Amen. A church with 2020 vision. Now, I'm not an optometrist tonight, but 2020 vision does not necessarily pertain to perfect vision. It has to do with the clarity of your vision. It has to do with how you see things at certain distances. And so 2020 means that you see normal. There's nothing that obscures what you're looking at. If yours was 2,000, that means that you have to get really close to something because you see at 20 feet what other people see at 100 feet. But 2020 means you see clearly. And that's what I want God to help us do tonight is see clearly. Everybody said amen. Turn to somebody and say, let's be a church with 2020 vision. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I certainly appreciate what God has been doing around here over the last few weeks. I am thankful for the revival that God has sent to Greater Life Church. I believe it is the product of a year of sowing, prayer, and many other things that our church was involved in last year. And God gave me a a direction for this year. It was simply to pray for rain, that this was going to be a year of harvest and a year of growth in many ways. And I am confident that we are on track. And we could be farther along. We could be farther back. Uh, But I'm thankful that we are where we are. I'm thankful that you have been willing to respond And that you have responded not only to the preached word of God, but you've responded to the move of God. And for all of that, I am extremely grateful. I believe that we are in an important place tonight. And I believe that God is, in some ways, I don't want to use the wrong word, but God is nudging us. He's pushing us toward another level. We talk about going to the next level. I'm not sure that's what I want to talk about, but I do want to talk about 
moving toward more of what God has planned for us as a church. And I don't know about you, but I am hungry for more. I do want God to do the things that he has promised and spoken to this church through the years that he would do. Ever so often, there are questions that I have to ask myself in order to help keep myself focused and on target. One of the questions that I have to consider, and it's not always a comfortable question to consider, is that am I being effective at what I'm doing? Am I really accomplishing the purpose that I've set out to accomplish? I understand that in life, movement does not mean progress. And I have come to understand that with a church, there can be a whole lot of calisthenics, but not a lot of benefits. We can do a lot of up and down and here and there and and all of that in a church setting, but really not be moving forward or moving in the direction that God is trying to take us. And so I want to ask myself, am I still being effective? Do you want to be effective? And certainly I do want to be effective in the hour in which we live. And the second thing that I have to consider is that am I reaching my potential? Am I really doing all that I could do, all that I should do for the kingdom of God? And answering those questions helps bring me back into a spiritual focus of the things that need to be in my life for us to move forward. Now, I pray that I'm not the only one that takes time to ask those kind of questions. I hope that you have in this revival taken time to ask yourself, am I really doing all I can do for the kingdom of God? This revival has been about us going to another level. And I listened the other night as Brother Stevenson reminded us of a very important aspect of movement and revival, and that is the importance of vision, that uh, without it we perish, without it we lose direction and He reminded me of Proverbs chapter uh, 29 and verse 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. And I I don't want to be redundant tonight, but there is not enough that can be said about the importance and the preciousness of our sight, that we have more than just natural sight that we can see things spiritually and we can discern things in the spirit world. Helen Keller, who was blind, said that there is one thing that is worse than being blind, and that is having eyes but not being able to see. She was not talking about a a natural sight. She was talking about something spiritual. And so when uh, the writer of Proverbs made the statement, where there is no vision, the people perish, 
he is telling us three things that we must never forget. Number one, he is telling us what vision is. Vision is revelation. It is a divine communication that comes to our life where God speaks to us. And he gives us the ability to see what he sees for us and what he has prepared for us. And so where there is no revelation, there is no ability to prepare ourselves for what God sees for us. And as a result of that, people wind up wasting their lives and spending their lives on things that are not important. So, first of all, what is vision? It is revelation. It is God divinely communicating with us, talking to us on a personal level where we are and where we can be and we should be if we will follow Him and be sensitive to Him. But that verse doesn't stop there with explaining to us what vision is. It tells me what vision does. When we receive that revelation, then it leads us to understanding of what we must do to get ourselves in that place where God is wanting to take us. It's what gives me purpose in my life. It is what gives me the ability to form my life and bring it together in some kind of sensible matter. So where there is no vision, the people perish, or as one translation said, they wander or they waste their life in futility. And so vision helps me align my life with his purpose. It helps me align my actions and my attitude and my assets and everything about my life. Vision is what helps me direct that in a profitable place. There's a lot of times in life we waste our life, and there's nothing worse than a wasted life, nothing more tragic than a wasted life. But it doesn't stop there. Uh, the third thing that that verse teaches me is how vision moves us. It not only shows us, but if we will allow it, that vision will help move us to do what God is asking us to do. And it helps us order our lives according to his divine communication. So here is a simple principle for you to Put down in your little memory bank or write it down. This is the importance of a vision. Vision is revelation that leads to resolution that leads to reformation or transformation. So it's revelation. It is resolution. It is reformation or a change a real change begins to take place so vision helps me align my life with his divine will for my life and it is important that i do that how many of you are interested in your life being aligned anybody here interested in just wasting your life nobody 
But there's a lot of folks that wind up wasting it because they just wander without vision. They live without any kind of divine communication. I don't know about you, but this evangelist has preached to your pastor as much as he's preached to anybody else in this audience during this revival. There have been times in my mind that I've been thinking, man, that's good, Brother Stevenson, hammer on that a little while. And the Lord would speak to me and say, hey, I'm not talking to them. I'm talking to you. Okay, God, you have my attention. What are you trying to tell me? And that's the way it is. God wants to speak to us personally. And I I I believe I'm not the only one that feels that God's been talking to us and God's been moving us. Some of us are stepping into places that we may have been fearful of moving into, but when God is in it, you don't have to be afraid of it. Amen. There's many interpretations of this verse of Scripture, but there is one thing that is clear, and that's the picture that this verse in Proverbs draws. And that is how tragic and how perilous and how much a loss there is of a life that has no vision, where there is no direction, there's no divine communication, there's no inspiration. A life without vision will always lead to trouble. Amen. It will always lead to frustration and aggravation. And the reason that people backslide is because they lose their vision. They're waiting for a preacher to do it for them, or they're waiting for a service to do it for them, or they're waiting for some emotion to do it for them, and they ignore the word that God is speaking to them on a daily basis that if they would listen to it would help align them with where God is wanting them to go. I've said this before. I own a Ford pickup. When I have trouble with my Ford pickup, I don't take it to the Chrysler dealer. Now, they may be well equipped and they may be knowledgeable, but they are not trained to work on my vehicle. So when I start needing help from my life and for the things that concern my life, I'm not going to Facebook to get my advice. I'm not going to some chit-chat place where somebody can tell me what they think about my life. I want to find out what's God have to say about my life. Because he's the one that's most interested in me succeeding. He didn't make junk. He did not bring me into this world for me to be a failure and a no account and a loser or to wander around aimlessly like so many people. But he's brought me into this world that I could understand there's a divine plan for your life. And if you listen to me, I can give you direction that will help you lead your life in that place where I have appointed for you. And that's what I'm interested in. Amen. I want a church that has vision. I want to be a part of a church that has vision. But as equally important as vision is, vision, I understand, can also be faulty. I thought this was interesting. I did a little Google search today. And I found out the number one surgery in the world is not plastic surgery. It's for cataracts. 
number one surgery in America is for cataracts. Cataracts happen when you get older. I've got a little bit of issue going on right now. I've got a milky film that just floats through my path of vision sometimes. And I went to the doctor. I said, what's going on? She said, well, you're getting a little older, Mr. Hughes. I said, well, thanks for the compliment. Will this ever go away? She said, no, but it will shrink eventually. I said, well, how long is eventually? She said, I don't know, but that's just the price you get of, pay, of, of getting a little older. And, and what happens when that film floats across the eye, you can't see things like it. at night especially. It's hard to be able to read the signs that are coming up and is this the right turn or do I need to go to the next one? And so what the Lord has been talking to me about is sharpening our focus and getting our eyes and our sight in alignment with His divine will and letting Him operate on us to remove whatever cloudiness or whatever obscurity there is or operate on us and bring us to that place where our eyes have that 20 20 vision, that we can see things clearly, that we understand our divine purpose. And so it is tonight that I come to talk to you about a church with 2020 vision. I want to be a part of a church that can see clearly where we need to go. I'm not interested in fads, and I, I probably frustrate some people, but when I first came here, best advice my friend gave me was just pastor like you're the only church in town. And so it's kind of been my motto. I don't care what they're doing next door, down the street, or across town. That doesn't have anything to do with what I feel like God is calling us to do here. I applaud them and their success. I'm thankful for God's blessings on them. But what I'm most interested in is what is God wanting to do with this group of people? What is God wanting to do through us? And how is God wanting to help us get where we need to go? And I want to know what that looks like. I want to know what that involves. And so I want to be a part of a church that has a clear vision. I want to be a part of a church that has an Acts 2020 vision. Amen. Now, some of you don't know what I mean by that yet, but you just hang on. We're going to take a ride. I want to see the purpose of God fulfilled in us. And I want to see the plan of God fulfilled in us. And there are some principles that that, that are laid before me in Acts 20, 20 that I'd like for us to explore for just a few moments and then I'll let you go. Paul was on his way to Jerusalem, as I mentioned before, and he called the elders of Ephesus to come and he reminds them of their beginnings. He reminds them of how all of this began. It it began with the powerful message of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They brought the gospel to this community and to this part of Asia. And he reminds them of how that gospel came to them. He reminded them that it came in many different areas or came through many different settings and mediums. And, and so he makes a statement in verse 20 that has gotten 
down in my spirit and has captured my imagination over the last few days. And he said, I have kept back nothing. What a powerful statement for him to make. He had held nothing back from those people in Ephesus that was helpful and beneficial to their spiritual journey. He had held nothing back. He did not hesitate to do all that he could to affect their lives for the good of the kingdom of God. And the Bible said he explored every opportunity that he had, every avenue, every venue that came to him. Paul considered it as an opportunity for the spreading and the propagation of the gospel. And he, as one translator said, I left no stone unturned. When I read that, I thought, God, can we say that about Greater Life Church? That in our efforts in this area of Houston, that we are leaving no stone unturned that we're leaving no opportunity on the table, that when God presents us with the opportunity, we are seeing it clearly, and we are seizing that opportunity and using that opportunity for the furtherance of the gospel, that when we step into this realm of vision, that we are looking for ways for this kingdom to grow. We're looking for ways for this kingdom to expand. And Paul said, I have not held anything back from you. He did all that he could do to reach all that he could in Ephesus. He became all that he could that he might reach some. And what a statement to make. I held nothing back. I laid it all on the line. That's the way I want to live for God in this area of Houston. I want to lay it all. I want to take advantage of every opportunity. And I think that's what God's trying to say to this church. He is bringing us to places. He's bringing us to junctures. He is bringing us to a rendezvous with destiny, our destiny, what he has planned for us, the things that he has promised us, the vision that he has given some of our good people through the years. God is pushing us toward that. And sometimes we are a little reluctant to move with that because it means we're going to have to get out of our comfort zone. And we're going to have to venture into some places we may not have been before or where we're not that comfortable in being. But Paul said, I just want you to know the reason that there's a church in Ephesus is because I seized every opportunity. It didn't matter where I was. I was going to preach the gospel. I was going to talk about repentance toward God and faith in Jesus Christ. I was going to talk about the gospel. That's what the gospel is. It's the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord. I was going to talk to them about why we're here. And as a result of that, a church, a revival burst out. It was because he seized every opportunity that he had. Amen. I want that same report to be written of Greater Life Church. That in this time, we used every opportunity. We used whatever means were available. As a church, I don't want us to leave any stone unturned. Now hear me, church. We may do some things this year that just you just don't 
understand, just understand this. We're not doing church for you. We're doing church for that world out there. Now, that doesn't mean we're going to compromise our message. Paul never, he didn't matter where he was, whether it was in a public setting or a private setting. The message that he preached was the same. But he said, I am going to take advantage of every opportunity that I have. I'm going to use every means that I can to reach as many people as I can. And I'm going to tell them all the same thing. Amen. Now you're getting really nervous. What's he up to? I'm up to this. I want a church with 2020 vision. Amen. 2020 vision. Using every opportunity. But Paul, it doesn't stop there. His message in verse 21, he said, was to the Jew and the Gentile. He made no difference there. Now, this is Hughes' interpretation of that. All right? Are you ready for this? This is not... This is not in any kind of theological book you're going to find anywhere, but this is Hughes' interpretation. When Paul said, I preach to the Jew and I preach to the Gentile, he said, I reach for the churchgoer and I reach for the non-churchgoer. Now, we love when church is about us because we're churchgoers. We love when the preacher encourages us. Sometimes we get lost when the preacher is reaching for the unchurched. And so we get nervous because it's not about us anymore. And we like it to be about us. I mean, I like to be blessed. I like God to touch me. I like God to help me. I like God to speak to me. But there are times when we need to understand the focus doesn't need to be on us. It needs to be on what is in us, reaching a community or reaching a world around us. That if we believe the Bible is headed for a burning hell, and if somebody doesn't reach out and touch their lives, they're going to be lost for eternity. Believe it or not, as many people as you think are saved, there's not that many people that really biblically are where God would want them to be. And so he preached to the churchgoer, and he reached for the non-churchgoer. Now, the Lord spoke to me to start this year. I was praying the end of, of December and trying to find direction, and I was driving down the road coming to the church for a meeting, and the Lord spoke to me, and it was it was so um, forceful that I, I, I almost had to pull over to the side of the road. But the Lord said, I just want to remind you, Mark Hughes, my message was not come ye, but go ye. And he said, what we have made church about is we want them to come to us. But he said, my message was not to them to come to me. My message is for you to go to them. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. So God began this year reminding me that church is not always about me. It's about turning my vision in another direction. And so Paul said, I came into this area, and I didn't just come to all the churchy people, 
all those people that love going to church. He said, I came to people that don't have a clue about church. Gentiles. You can look that word up in the Greek. It means the same thing in the English. They are uncivilized. They don't know anything about church. It's like revival several years ago. There was some motorcycle gang members that prayed through in a revival, and they just about disrupted that old country church in East Texas. You talk about turn it up on its ear. And these are folks that's been in church. They've, they've got seed in that church. I'm talking about way back. Their grandparents were in that church. And here, this gang of motorcycle members, we prayed one through, and the next thing you know, there's another one that comes in and another one that comes in. And they come in, they don't look quite like the rest of us. And they really don't pray like the rest of us. Because when they would get prayer time, one of them would get up around the front and everybody else is saying, Oh, I love you, Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. And using all of that perfect vernacular that we Pentecostals get, are real good at. And this, this old rugged biker just lifted his head and said, Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. And when he started screaming out, praise you, I saw some of those people think, that's not how you praise the Lord. (laughs) And God had to re-educate us on what it means to reach not only for church-minded people, but people that don't have a clue what church is all about. Paul said, I reach for everybody. That's what I want us to do. I want to reach for everybody. The third thing is his message was the same no matter where he was. That's the great thing about this. He didn't change his message to fit the crowd that he was preaching to. He preached the same thing at church as he preached away from church. He preached Jesus. He preached repentance. He preached faith. Amen. He preached the the same message. It works wherever you are, whether you're in a home or whether you're, you're in a public setting, whether you're on the street corner or whether you're in the privacy of somebody's local home. But not only had he not held anything back and he was reaching for all people, but he was also using every means available that were at his disposal. And this is what he said. He said, I cease not to teach you and show you both publicly. And again, this is Hughes's interpretation. That was at church. When we came to church, I told you. And then when we were in your house, I told you the same. And Paul reminds them of how the church ought to be balanced. It ought to be a church that is able to function in the church house or in the house house, the home house. It's got to be a church that does not want to miss any opportunity. And he preached it publicly and he preached it house to house. And I, as, a, as one of, of the of the ingredients of this church i want to explore every opportunity there is to expand the gospel and the message that god has given us the message didn't change but the method did amen 
And I think it's time that we understand that some of those things are going to be required of us. The same message, but a different location. The setting changed, but the substance stayed the same. The message works on a large scale. It works in a church house. It works in the home house. Amen. And what was, off, what, what was often a sticking point with a lot of folks was the fact that Paul was opening their eyes to understand that church had to move beyond the four walls of a building or a synagogue. It had to get into the home if it's going to be as effective. If you want to have a 2020 vision, if you want to have the clarity of a church that is, is in divine uh, uh, order with God's will and His purpose, it is going to be a church that not only can function in a setting like this, but it can function in the confines of our local homes as well. One of them doesn't negate the other. And one of them is not more important than the other. They are both needed for there to be the most effective witness. That's why the scripture says that they, they were daily in the temple and house to house. There was a continuation of what he was doing in the church, in the home. And I believe, this is my, my strong conviction tonight, I believe what has often limited the church is how we have viewed the church. Some people only view the church in this setting. They can only conceive of church as being here. They cannot imagine sitting down across the coffee table in somebody's house and having the same kind of move of God there that they have here. But that's what Paul said brought revival to Ephesus. It was a church that not only knew how to get together and shout and run the aisles and pray and see people receive the Holy Ghost, but they knew how to move that venue into the home and take that gospel down to the foot soldiers and to the everyday people in the community, people that you wouldn't get to come to church, but you could get them to come to your house. That's a 2020 church. That's a 2020 vision. It's understanding that you've got to have both of those. And for a long time, God has been, he's been dealing with me about this aspect of ministry here at Greater Life Church. And we've done it in the past, and we've had to do it in the past. But I, I'm not doing it now because we have to. I'm doing it now because we need to. We need to take this church to the next level. Amen. Everybody say the next level. And what has often limited the church is that the church is a place for people to come. That's what has limited. But it's not a community God wants them to be. Now, community speaks of something deeper than just coming. It speaks of connecting. That something, there's a, there's a 
interaction that goes on in people's lives. And there is a communication that takes place. And there's a connecting with people. You know, the tragedy in our church, and we're not that large a church considering, but the fact is that in our church, some of you sitting on this side don't have a clue about people sitting on this side. That's right. Oh, you know them. You see them. Hi, brother so-and-so. Hi, sister so-and-so. But you don't really know them because all we know how to do is church here. And I'm going to tell you what God's trying to push us to, to learn how to not only do church here, but learn how to take our church and go do it there as well, to do it in our homes. Amen. To do it in the, in the confines of that community where nothing is like it in all the world. There is nothing like the home. And the Lord reminded me, of this at the beginning of the year. The place, we, we are not interested in just having a place for people to come. The mall is a place where people come. Target is a place where people come. Walmart, for all you Walmart enthusiasts, is a place for people to come. What I'm interested in is where can we find community? Where can we find connection? Where can we find more than just a relationship on, on, on a casual basis, but a relationship that becomes personal? And I don't mean that in an evil way, but I mean that we become connected to them, that we invest ourselves in their life, that we're willing to go that extra mile and become a body so that we are functioning together as God willed us to do. And how often what we do as a church has been decided or determined by our fears. Or really use, I'm afraid of that. And so we don't do it. And for years, I mean years, the only place you could have church was here. <laughs> you had church anywhere else, you were a renegade. Somebody said, Brother Hughes, are you afraid of that? I'm going to tell you what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid of missing an opportunity. That's what I'm afraid of. I'm not afraid of trouble. I'm not afraid of what could happen in a small group setting because there's ways of dealing with all of that. What I am afraid of is that there are opportunities in every community where we live, wherever there's a home in this community that belongs to the church members here, there's an opportunity for us to take the gospel a little further than it's going. There's an opportunity for us to walk through a door we may have been afraid to walk through. And we were unwilling to walk through it unless we had to. Now, God is saying, no, you don't have to. You can stay right where you are. But I want to tell you, if you will, you're going to see something that's going to blow your mind. I want to see the church functioning in many settings. I want to see the church not limited to just this building. I want to see the church in its opportunity everywhere, publicly and house to house. Paul used every means available to propagate the gospel. And so the blessings of God were on it. You know why? Because that was Jesus' method. 
I got to thinking about this this past week. When Jesus came, he didn't start an organization. He didn't even start a church. He started a small group. And he worked on that small group for a long time before he decided it was time to build a church. But we do the opposite. We want an organization. We want a church building. We want a name. We want a structure. And there's nothing wrong with all that. But we're afraid to go to that other level, that group level, that small group or that cell group or whatever. You, it doesn't matter what you call it. It's a principle of growth. It is taking the gospel out of these walls and into the places where we live and giving it an opportunity to do what only the gospel can do. And that's change people's lives. 2020 vision. He didn't start with an organization. He didn't start with a church. He started with a group of men. And he poured himself into that group until they were ready. And then he began to pour himself into a gathering of people. For the church to be the most effective in this hour, I believe it has to have a 2020 vision. That means we got to have good church here, but we're going to have to learn how to have church at home as well. Amen. Smile real big right now and say, oh, yes, God, take me, take me, take me. Publicly and house to house. It, we, we must understand the dynamics of opportunity. And they are before us right now. And what happens when our spiritual vision is 2020? God's plan for humanity is revealed. We catch a vision of what his will is for our life. And we seize every opportunity to spreading the gospel of the kingdom. And church becomes many settings. By all means that I might save some. And so this is what I envision. And this is what I believe God has been doing. Everything he's been doing over the last few years and even the last few months and the last few weeks especially is moving us to this place where we're ready to go to that next level. And I envision a church like this, a church that not only meets here on regular basis, but also meets in the home on a regular basis. I've been talking to Brother Landon and some of the other team members for the last year and a half about what I see and what I feel like God is trying to bring our church to. And it is that we would begin to move again in the realm of small groups. We're not eliminating church. We're not eliminating the need for church. We're trying to take church to another level. And I'm here to tell you tonight that for God to really help us be what this church is capable of being, I think it is essential that we move to that next place. And so this is what I'm proposing. Get ready. Buckle your seatbelt. Say, all right. I knew there was a catch somewhere. This is what I'm proposing. Now, we did this during the storm. How many remember that? During the storm, we had no Wednesday night service. We only had one Sunday morning church service, and that was it. And so we utilized Wednesday night, and we started small groups. And it was a great blessing. I heard nothing but good. Some people participated that I never thought would participate. We're not having to do that now because we have to do it. We're going to do it now because we get to do it. But this is what I'm proposing. 
that the first Wednesday night of every month becomes small group night, that we take our church to our community. And we meet in your homes, my home, and we bring our friends and the other church members in that area of our community. And we let the love of God and the gospel affect not only our lives, but the lives of people that we really care about, our neighbors, our relatives. And this is what I believe God is wanting us to do. There, we'll probably give it a name at some point, but this is what we're going to propose, and this is what I want us to do. The name is not important, but doing it is. Taking our church to that next dimension of growth and expansion and purpose and doing it the way the Bible says do it, publicly and house to house. Come to church. We're going to have church, high church as they say. Amen. I want it to be high church. I don't ever like dull church. Amen. I want to make my trip worthwhile. If I'm going to Walmart, I want to make it worthwhile. I don't just go walk in the aisle just to walk the aisle. When we come to church, I don't just come to church to gawk and look around. I come here for a purpose. I want to, I've come here to touch God and to see God touch us and see Him touch others. And I want to worship Him and I want to fall in love with Him more every day. I want that. But I also want to turn and I want to walk into my community. And I want to open an opportunity for people that may not be willing at this point to come here, but they'll come to your house. How about it, church? Is there anybody here tonight interested in a 2020 vision for Greater Life Church? Amen. So the first Wednesday night of the month, uh, we're gonna, we've got our church divided geographically right now. Brother Randy Stafford has been working on that for quite some time. And, and you say, well, Brother Hughes, I don't, if I can't meet with my friends, I don't want to do it. Well, that's the whole purpose of getting us out of our comfort zone. Because some of you come to church, you sit with the same people, you go eat with the same people, you don't have a clue about that person across the church from you that lives in your area, but you, just, you don't know it. And you say, that can't be. It is true. I've had people, I've said, can you call so-and-so? They said, who is that? I said, it's the guy that sits right across the aisle from you. (laughs) Not quite that bad, but amen. Anybody interested in a 2020 church? Anybody interested in going with me to explore and find what God has purpose for us there? Amen. If you're willing to do that, stand to your feet right now. A church that moves to the next level. Why? Why are you doing this now? Because it's biblical. It's Jesus' method. Not only that, but it facilitates relationships and community. And it nurtures growth. And someone might say, well, Brother Hughes, aren't you afraid of that? No. Why should I be? Why should I be afraid of an opportunity? 
Why should I be afraid of God taking me to a place that's going to help me be better, stronger, more fruitful, more fulfilled? Amen. I, I don't know how many people I've had to talk to in times past in my ministry that said, Brother Hughes, I don't know what God's calling me to do. Well, I got a clue for you. It's not rocket science. He's calling all of us to be his disciples, number one. But he's also calling us to be his witnesses. Amen. Amen. And the reason some people stay frustrated spiritually is because they're unwilling to venture into that place that they're not comfortable with. Well, Brother Hughes, I just like doing church here. Well, I'm going to tell you what. Get this. If you like doing church here, I'm going to tell you what's going to blow your mind. It's when you begin to pray and you begin to worship together in your home. And the same Holy Ghost that falls here falls in your home. And somebody receives the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Or somebody is healed. Or somebody's life is touched. And somebody's life is turned around. That, my friend, is what will make you the most happy. This is what I've discovered about church. If somebody wants to cause trouble, they don't need a small group to do it. <laughs> but you know what? I refuse to pastor scared. Always afraid. I, I, I'm not... I never have been a guy that lived in your people's back pocket. I expect you to be mature enough to grow in God, and you ought to. But I'm not going to tell you what car to buy, what to eat today, and what to do tomorrow. I'm just not going to do that. I don't think that's what God called me. He didn't call me to be a traffic cop. What he called me to do is help nurture in people a desire for more, to go a little further. And I feel like if we don't do this, we're going to miss a great opportunity. Amen. And I want God's hand on it. I want his blessings on it. I've been praying over this for at least two years, probably three. So it's not something that just came up as a reaction I don't know what anybody else is doing. I got another newsflash. I don't care what anybody else is doing. All I'm interested in is what God's trying to do here. And this is where we're at the right place for this to happen. We're at the right place spiritually. We're at the right place. I think in the hunger, I think the thing for us to do is just say, Lord, I'm willing and take that step move into that dimension because I'm more afraid of what we're going to miss if we don't do it than I'm, I'm afraid of anything else. Amen. And this is the question that God asked me. Are you keeping anything back from the world around you that's hungry and lost because you like doing church your way. Are you holding anything back? Are you 
keeping opportunity from coming to people because your vision is so blurred that all you can see is this. God, I want you to work on my cataracts because I've got some. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to me. I want you to work on my eyes. I want, I want you to help clear my vision so that I understand that there's opportunities that are presenting themselves to us and we've got to seize them. Amen. Reach over and take someone by the hand that's near you right now. Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, we need you tonight. We have prayed earnestly, Lord, and we have sought you. We have asked you, God, for direction, and we believe, Lord, that the time is now. We, we believe that the hour has come. I pray, God, that all of us, everybody in this building, everybody in this building will understand and begin to spread the good news. The church is on the move. The church is growing. The church is expanding. The church, is it, its vision is being clarified. It's seeing more fully what God has designed for us. It's seeing more clearly what God has purposed for us. And we're willing to move into that next dimension. We're willing to move into that next place. Lord, we're willing to move forward and do Your will and be called, Lord, into that place of purpose and that place, Lord, of revelation. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Amen. Somebody say 2020 vision. Every time you think about it, I want you to go back to Acts 2020. Publicly, house to house. Publicly, house to house. Publicly, that's where we're going. That dimension, that direction. Amen. Praise God. Well, you'll be looking forward to the evangelist being here Sunday. For one reason, I preached longer than he did, but that's another subject. We won't explore that tonight. Amen. I remember my brother-in-law used to go to a certain church in town. He grew up there. He said he hated it when his pastor had been out of the pulpit for a long time. He said it was a guaranteed two-hour sermon. Guaranteed. Well, I was not that long tonight, even though some of you thought it might have been. I was not that long tonight. <laughs> Somebody say 2020. Take us, Lord. Clear that vision. Help us to see clearly your divine purpose. Amen. Praise God. I love you. Thank you for being here tonight. Thank you for letting me share my burden with you. Amen. If you'll turn to three people and tell them we're headed to a 2020 vision, I'll let you be dismissed.